giddy because we're back. You're just excited. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we're like together in the same room. And we've hugged. <laughs> we touched. We've touched multiple times. And that I'm... sounds so rude. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you brought strawberries for me. For uh, us. They're or... not chocolate covered. That would have been more erotic if they were yeah. chocolate covered. But you know what? The sensibility of bringing just strawberries by themselves, because you know that like, I just want that. Mm. That's, that speaks way more to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hi, we're, we're Welcome back. back, guys. And uh, this is Drunk Art Review. Yeah, yes, the podcast the- <laughs> where. <laughs> Anyone and everybody is welcome to chat about art. Pretty much what we're doing right now. I'm so sorry. I just, I totally like spoke over you. I'm just too, I'm too very. We're very excited. Yeah. Uh, It's it's surreal because we haven't really, I mean, other than my birthday Mm. and you popped over once to give me some masks, which was amazing. But we weren't allowed to like be too close to each other. Couldn't touch. It's been well over a hundred days since we've been able to. Which is weird. When, like, you consider that I see you weekly. <laughs> I know. And more often than not, more than weekly as mm. well. And I like that this, as soon as we were just hanging out in my bedroom, <laughs> just sitting on the bed, <laughs> flicking through Tinder. <laughs> just like, girls have got to have a chance to catch up. It's like, mate, have you seen this dude? They all look the same. <laughs> I, he's got he's got puppy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I need to stop using Tinder for, for like, looking at people's dogs. Because <laughs> that's never going to end well. Well, this is what we were discussing. We were thinking, like, people need to have a, a tinder dog account you yeah know? i just need tinder dogs i don't even i'm not even that bothered about people i just like want to go and hang out with other people's dogs yeah. with mine like it, dating it, for my dog <laughs> it would be like instagram because you know we have our personal accounts and the professional but then we have the dog accounts which it, which get so many more followers than everything mm-hmm. else <laughs> to be honest i just spam my normal one with my dog so yeah. Sorry, not sorry for the people that follow me. Oh, huh. why, why? Why? No need to apologise. Mm. I fucking love Doris. She made me so happy on my birthday. Because by the way, folks, I turned thirty. <laughs> um, and, and if you didn't see her glorious <laughs> Instagram live with her really drunk reading out poetry from a book I'd bought her, then you great. missed out. She was wrecked. And what was even better is that. <laughs> Jenny sent me screenshots of me like being the the Teletubby sunshine. Yeah, she put this filter on and her face just became the Teletubby sun and I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> I didn't realise you could have filters on like the, the live stream. I was like, this is amazing. You were so drunk and excited by that point. You were just like screeching. It was, oh, <coughs> I, it was brilliant I had had quite a lot of gin that day. And I bought your beers as well. Yeah, which yeah. I think you'd started to tuck into too. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've still got like a majority of them here which I'm very pleased about. They're just gonna subtly take me through the summer months. But you know what? It was my birthday and I was like, you know what? I'm home alone. I'm gonna sit in the garden. I'm gonna drink gin at 12 o'clock lunchtime. And it carried me through and oh, I had the best bruschetta that I made myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, I, it was a good day. I arrived and she was already on the gin. And that was about lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't expect it to hit me as it did. But when I saw you, I was like, woo, hello. <laughs> I must have looked nuts because I was like carrying loads of things and I had a dog. And... I know, and there was those balloons. Oh, it made me very, very happy. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's it is it's surreal mm-hmm. and lovely being back, mm-hmm. and I'm just really happy. You should see the smile on her face right now. That's folks. a big one. You can probably hear it in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> but very opposite to, <laughs> to to this jovial reunion yeah. of life and love and uh, our 
our episode theme is death and the afterlife Woo-hoo! which is actually one that when we first started the podcast was a theme that we wanted to do ages ago yeah i we thought it was really interesting we've just never got around to recording it mm-hmm. so and um because we were going to record it like the week before my birthday and then have it come out near my birthday mm. Um, but like, you know, things take a little bit of time and sometimes you just need to take a little bit of a breather. Yeah. And yeah, so I was, cause I was the one who was like, can we do this for my birthday? Like I'm such a fucking creep. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to tell you about my shit. Mm. I mean, to be fair, it's other people's shit. I'm talking about other people's stuff. Yeah. To you, which, you know, becomes my shit in the, <laughs> in the, <laughs> in the transfer. Are you keeping up with this folks? Who knows? But they can hear us properly. Like, that's the best Yay, thing. Yay! I don't sound like some weird robot from, like, 30 miles away. I was impressed with how well we did do with it. Mm. I always seem to give us a sh- give us our own personal shout-out on the oh, show. I'm like, yeah. well done us. Well done. Aha. Yes, well done us. We- yeah. <laughs> You're like, fucking yeah. Fuck yeah. We have. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so Death in the Afterlife. I think I want to... I'm going to go first. No, oh, she's, she's um, just... Yeah, she's going straight into it. I'm just, I'm just going to sit here and eat fucking strawberries while she does. <laughs> I'm loving it. Man, I get to actually talk to you I about you can this. look at me while you're <laughs> talking, like, properly. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> I feel many things have changed in this lockdown and many things have changed since turning 30. Many barriers have just been let wide open with me. <laughs> I just, you know, like with uh, my own personality and <laughs> those confidences, you know, with being yourself. Anyway. You're just as lovely and bonkers as you always were. You kind of forget how you are with people when you're by yourself all the fucking time. Mm. And then you get to hang out with your mate and then mm-hmm. you're like, there I am. Oh, this is how I behave in a social situation. This is a crazy bitch. Hey. Like, yo. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's how I'm feeling. And it's liberating. Ah, man. Life is good when it's... You get to hang out. Anyway, so I am going to show... I'm actually going to first show you, because I actually have a piece of artwork, right? Which is a very rare thing, I realise, because I'm always such a fucking maverick and I'm like, it's actually just like a cutscene or it's actually like, oh, it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing that I'm going to show you is called Eye of God. Ooh. And it is made in 1862. Mm-hmm. What do you see? Tell me what you're seeing, Jenny. I am seeing an image. You want me to describe it visually to the viewers or yeah. what I get from Yeah, so, and, and, and the rest. Okay, yeah. so visually I would describe it to people that can't currently see it. You can see it on our Instagram when we stick it up at some point. But it's a very kind of abstract piece from my perspective. It's quite bright colours, so there's lots of yellows, reds, there's also some purples and whites, and there's big swirls and waves. But then kind of etched into it, these are finer white lines. Considering the year that it was created in, I would have thought it was a much later date because it kind of has that more abstract art. Oh, yeah. You know, you wouldn't expect that around then. You would have expected some kind of fancy portrait or, like, scenery. So this is probably, for the times, like, quite mavericky. But there's almost, when I look closer, there looks like there's things in those funny little shapes. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't quite decipher them. I don't know whether that's because that's how the image is or because my eyesight is this bad from a distance. (laughs) But yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, from here, it's really odd, the little white etched parts over mm. the top of it. Some of them look a bit like roots spreading. Yeah, yeah. Um, or even yeah. kind of slightly ethereal. Yeah. Mm. It's, a, it's an odd image. Yeah. 
And it's so cool that you that you pick up on the idea, the fact of when it was made, how it looks. In context of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so okay, so this, this uh, magical piece uh, called Eye of God mm. um, was made by Georgiana Horton. Okay. Um, she lived from 1814 to 1884. So 19th century didn't even break into the 20th century. And she was a modern spiritualism. Mm. Spiritualist. She did modern spirit. <laughs> she did modern. Modern. Oh my oh, gosh! No. <laughs> she did. She did modern spiritualism. Okay. Um, and this piece here was done with watercolour. That was her main choice of things. Mm-hmm. And many of her names of her drawings, they all had references to God, which is weird because this was created in a seance. Hmm. What? And wow. which is also have which has some other really weird levels to it because they all have references to God, but within seances, they're not considered to be witchcraft, right? With these mediums, which are like these kind of conduits, that have, but they have nothing magical about them, you know? Which oh, that was like hmm. a kind of weird thing that I kind of thought to myself. Yeah, I, it's a strange contradiction because yeah. some people, and it depends on what you believe in, where your beliefs lie in nowadays. <laughs> but it almost seems kind of contradictory that a, from my perspective, because. Mm humans as such generally weren't meant to be considered to have any kind of power yeah. so the fact that there were then these peoples that people's people that could then communicate with the dead yeah. same seems to kind of then contradict the idea of god so that when they believe in god but they can also speak to the dead is it well, contradicting it, their beliefs yeah, at well, all well this is the thing it's like um the idea of them being more of a conduit mm. than them possessing any magical power themselves mm. But I guess in a way it's a bit like when they had first ideas of science and that the science was being human, you know, as opposed mm. to that that distinction that distinction between magic and science. I think that they kind of they roped that in a little bit with that because there was such a strong religious belief. It's because of like the natural law instead mm. of the devil worship, or whatever. It's, s- it's kind of like a really fine line. I suppose what strikes me as odd is if she was into spiritualism, but then she referenced God a lot because. If her beliefs, if she did believe mm. quite religiously about God and the church, then her beliefs in the afterlife, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if you are religious um, and I haven't fully understood it, I always believed that the soul would then pass on to either heaven or hell kind of yeah. thing, not then be able to return to the urethral plane. And if you were religious enough that that's mm. what you believed in, why would you then believe that you could also communicate yeah. with the dead? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's almost there, contradicting. There is a lot it, of is contradicting. Is that weird kind of like but crossover? So, there was yeah. definitely like so much in the Victorian era where, where oh, they yeah. wanted to delve into slightly more hocus pocus. Oh yeah, it was very you know, gothic time, yeah. wasn't it, in England? But, um, okay, so that was like my little thought on the idea of her naming these things mm. after religious things, and then I was like, what? If they did seances like, I don't know, 300 years ago, then there'd be more of a, they would think, witchcraft. But anyway, let me set the scene for you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm scratching the back of my head and it's... pulling a weird face and Rosie just caught sight of me and I just must look you like... L- you look like you were very into it. You're almost disgusted with how like much you were enjoying that scratch. Oh, You're just it like, was so oh. good. I did my roots yesterday, guys. And... <laughs> oh. Yeah, it looks good. It's good hair. Good hair. Thanks. We like the ice blonde. It's good. Um, right okay let me set the scene for you darling first of all disclaimer a lot of this information comes from theconversation.com and wikipedia okay (laughs) i feel like i need to do that because i am lynching quite a bit of it (laughs) from that thanks wiki yeah um so yeah thank you all right so in the 19th century in a dim gaslit seance parlor the spirits of classical painters like titian and correggio returned to the mortal world to guide the hand of the modern artist georgiana horton 
Right. So she believed that she was being possessed and painting pictures with the spirits of dead she people was, in her. They were speaking through her. So, claiming to be under the direction of her spirit guides, Horton drew extraordinarily vibrant and colourful expressions of spiritual abstraction, unlike anything seen before in art. As Horton herself declared, her work was without parallel in the world. Which was wow, so that's weird. bigging you... yourself up a bit, isn't it? <laughs> look, my work's fucking awesome, boys. <laughs> like, just just check, check it out. <laughs> look. <laughs> look at this shit. Titian told me to paint this. Yeah, but there's like other layers to that too. Even though these um, sort of images are from the grave, mm. uh, I think Georgiana Horton knew she was making something never seen and accepted yeah. before. So whether she gave herself credit for that or not is like an entirely different yeah. thing. You know, but she did, uh, she did actually put quite a lot of these on display to further her um, ideas of like spiritualism. So she did like exhibitions and stuff with her artwork in, where was it? Um, somewhere in London, I did write it down, somewhere cool. It's on my hip and happening. Ooh. And uh, so it's kind of like that, she wanted her artwork to be considered her artwork, mm. but it's under this guise that it's been, she's merely the conduit. She was the receptor mm. for the great classical artists from before her. Georgiana Horton's spirit drawings, in a nutshell, are literally pioneering examples of the foundation within abstract art. Mm -hmm. Like, nothing had been seen before that looked anything like this. And when you said earlier mm. how you were like, thinking of the time period, this shouldn't be fucking around, like yeah. what? The color, like what? And weirdly enough, there's like a real William Blake kind of vibe to it too. Mm. Um, just obviously without the the crazy genius lunacy to it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe she was a bit crazy too, you never know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he of course had an incredible relationship with God and life and death and creation, so, you know, there's kind of those um, ideas of passing on and being able to connect with that, and mm. there is that crazy genius to it, I think. Yeah. Like so many of her era, she became interested in seances after the death of her younger sister. Yeah. Victorian England, well, Victorian world was very diseased and plagued. It felt like there were so many like other kind of plagues on the nation, opium and all sorts of and I think you have drug to dens. I think you have to consider as well, people forget like, you know, maybe our generation don't always remember like, from history or haven't learned about it, but there were quite ritual, a lot of rituals around death in Victorian era. Yeah. So like mourning, for example, mm. like a woman, if her husband died, would have to wear, be in mourning. So she would wear completely black. Mm. For, I mean, think of the iconic images of Queen Victoria. She never came out of full mourning. Yeah. But um, a woman generally would be in full mourning for a year. Mm -hmm. So she'd wear black all year. And then she'd go into something called half mourning, yeah. which is like, you know, she'd wear darker colors, but not necessarily black mm -hmm. and but, oh, they'd wear like a band for yeah, however long you, they wanted. Do you know what I mean? It was so that and that was just that's just a tiny mm. example of one of the strange yeah. things that Well she'd also uh, lay out um Prince Albert's clothes mm. for the rest of her life. Like mm. that that was a ritual. That wasn't just a ritual within yeah, her life. That yeah. was that was a societal mm. norm. If you didn't fit that norm you were seen as kind of like, oh Well you, you weren't appreciating the beyond, yeah. I think. You weren't sort of acknowledging and being humbled by it. Mm. Which has massive implications on you really, like if you don't. Mm. Because you're saying no to the social norm, aren't you? Huge. Yeah, fascinating. So, like I said, uh, she became interested in it 
mm-hmm. uh, after the death of a younger sister. Um, and she started doing her own seances in 1859. And this was when she was 45. So it was kind of like, you know, slightly later on into her life. And she started with automatic drawing, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, you and I have done that ourselves. Like, you don't leave the page, you just allow your hand to, like, move as you will. And that process is actually used quite a lot. You can even see it within film. They use these automatic drawings mm. to process what's going on. And most of the time it comes out as writing. Mm. Probably just to further the story on in films, but <laughs> um, yeah. So she started with automatic drawing, which was for her spiritual flows. And automatic drawing really was something that surrealists then revisited in the 20th century. No one was really doing it. To be fair, the fact, I mean, regardless of the fact that she was like, I'm talking to the spirits. Her mind was very much in the future of uh, kind of how artwork could be done and and carried out. Her first images uh, depict extremely stylized flowers and fruits, Mm -hmm. um, which is probably because every woman of high society would, you know, paint and learn French and the languages and you wouldn't be a woman if you didn't do all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, You were finely educated. Yeah, it's like what they say in Pride and Prejudice or something. It's like, a lady isn't accomplished if she doesn't, you know, know all these things and then she's like and then uh yeah what's i know the, i know the bit you mean with mr darcy and, and then she's like oh, i feared you knowing any at all <laughs> yeah elizabeth bennett the elizabeth original badass <laughs> she's like fuck you fuck you bitch it's like you ain't getting this i am marrying you for all of derbyshire um <laughs> yeah she said it just like that Fucking yeah. Can we, oh, have, can yeah. we have like a gangster remake of Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> oh my god. I mean, to be fair, I fucking love Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and I've watched many of the other iterations. I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, version. please do. It's fucking sassy. They're like punching up zombies, they're like, you know, they study martial arts, and they're all in this like amazing 1700s outfits and stuff. It's probably like, insane, oh, isn't it's, it? It's great. Pretty hot too, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, she was 45 when she started this, uh, which like I said, pretty late. So yeah, she was a proper lady and shit. Um, That's why her initial drawing started off being like flowers and pretty things and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, as she started experimenting with her artistic style, it resulted in creating these completely abstract images. And this was about 60 years before Kandinsky. Mm. It's just. I mean, and Kandin- Kandinsky. I nailed it first time. Didn't again. That's what you come here for. The butchering of names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kandinsky. He's considered a forefather of automatic drawing and modernism. And it's just insane when you find people did it before him. You're like, mm-hmm. what? And also as a fucking woman, I'm like, what? Yeah, it's like the woman that, you know, was a yes. female director and all that yeah. shit that we've, we've talked film. about before. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Women fucking get out. Not that that's, this is that's, a feminist podcast, but I'm like... Well, I mean, we are both feminists. Yeah. But, so it kind of is a feminist <laughs> podcast. But, uh, we'll talk about women in art in another episode, because yeah. we do have an episode for that. So yeah, we'll yeah. probably rage on that one. <laughs> the injustices. I know, I get so angry. It was like when we were watching the cinema, I kept smacking my foot on the ground. I couldn't help myself. I was like... <laughs> she was I so mad. I was angry. But it felt inspiring, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, back to this beast of a woman. As in... A great beast, not like, beast. like she's beast, like she's incredible, magical, 
Anyway, she chose to work with abstract shapes because it correlated with the unnatural nature of her subject. She doesn't depict objects of the natural world, but a spiritual experience. Oh, do you feel that within this? Uh, I mean, I suppose I can see what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, I don't have a spiritual experience as such when I look mm. at it. I mean, I think it's incredible that it's this style of art from that period. And like those colours too. Like those colours would never yeah. have like popped like that before. Yeah, I I can... It, it's something about it though that makes me uncomfortable and I don't know what it is. Well, she did later on say, I don't think I actually wrote the notes down, but I remember it. Um, she said how unless you're watching her draw it within the seance mm. um, you don't necessarily pick up on the fact that she draws three eyes a lot of the time again and again and again mm. um, which I think you kind of do pick up on you see these loops and loops and loops mm. which I think happen quite a lot within automatic drawing you either get jagged shapes or you get very flowing lines mm. and it's those flowing lines that really make me feel that it looks a little bit William Blakey because he was very much about like these colours like sun colours and yeah. you know kind of that iridescence that is indescribable mm. you know? it's, it's something about the white etched lines that make me feel weird I don't know what it is about a little them. bit jellyfishy like, I mean I like jellyfish I don't... Oh, oh, I know. Oh, I'm having a realization. Um, you know those those seance images, like the photographs, mm. where you'd have the plasma coming out of their mouths, mm. which actually was cheesecloth. <laughs> Just saying, debunking that theory. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they'd stuff it in their mouth and then it would come out, and they'd make these incredible, weird photographs. That is really similar to mm. that, that kind of like white mesh. Anyway, so abstraction quotation marks. Uh, wasn't yet a concept in the 19th century, mm. um, which totally explains the mixed reviews her watercolours got. Mm. <laughs> she was ahead of her time, so obviously a lot of society didn't get the artistic value. They never do. Yeah. The public didn't really know how to interpret this artistic style. Mm. Um, they were like, what the fuck? Something different. What will my brain do? <laughs> I actually wrote that down. Mm. <laughs> um, so uh, the different shapes and colours in the images are part of Horton's sacred symbolism. Um, they all have a different meaning. Um, and of course, as her career went on, they became increasingly more detailed. Mm. I think this is probably near the, the mid-start of her career, I think. Because she finished in like 1875, I yeah. think. I should have worked that out. But let's talk a little bit more about modern spiritualism. That began as a movement in America in, eight, in the 1840s, so right around the time that she was sort of becoming more aware of it. And its origin is often attributed to the Fox Sisters, Fox Sisters of Hydesville. Um, which was in America. Uh, spiritualism or spiritualists believe that the human spirit survives death and continues to take an active interest in the mortal world. And central to this movement were spirit mediums, which is obviously someone who was perceived to have a special sensitivity to spirit communication and through whom it was believed such communication across the two worlds was possible. Mm. So yeah, they were the conduit. They could tag into one place and see through the next, a bit like a telescope, I think. Mm. Seance drawings and paintings were deemed to be spirit artifacts by fellow spiritualists. Mm. So it's a bit like, uh, it's that kind of idea of when you ha you'd have like follies and things like that mm -hmm. and, and made up gothic history yeah. that was very prevalent in like the Victorian eras. Yeah, they'd build like a broken down castle yeah, to stumble yeah. across in the woods because it was romantic, but it was yeah. never really there. It's just they built it. Yeah, yeah. It toes in with that idea mm. of, well, we can create something and because we've created it, we can attach it to something else and it 
it's right. It's like creating something further down the line that has an integral connection to when it should have been or something like that. In a way, it's kind of a little bit like you don't really have to think about the timeline of something. Mm -hmm. You've either got the end result and it doesn't matter about... It, it's a bit like a, it's its own black hole or a time yeah. loop, you know? Oh, getting deep. <laughs> Um, and in order to understand both the visual language, sorry, I totally know she checked your watch. I was like, I, I know you, I know like you checked your watch because it's like normal, but it made me laugh because I didn't actually check my watch. I was pulling my sleeve down because it was bugging me. In my mind, I was like, oh, no, you're not. I was literally just pulling my sleeves down. I know, I know, but like, oh, I'm just fidgeting. <laughs> But you can, it, if it, I was trying to rush you, I'd I, literally hold a sign up to you and go like, hurry up. Know. You know what I'm but like. in my mind, that just it made me laugh. I was like, <laughs> anyway. Um, I'd just like to tell you folks, we've not been drinking. We're literally just, sat here with strawberries and water because I'm we're being giddy. very good and healthy. I'm just giddy. I mean, I'm going to eat one of these and talk as I do it. ASMR. Oh. ASMR. ASMR. I love... I'm, just, I'm gonna say on the podcast. I tell everyone, all my art friends on Instagram, I'm like, you do anything visually artistic? ASMR, make it, make it, please, just for me. You use art resin, please. You make some waxy candles, please. I want to see it. Whoa. Okay, we apolo I apologize on behalf of Rosie to our listeners that are sensitive to uh, oh. those kinds of sounds. Um, Good. God, we might have to slap a warning on the info <laughs> box of this one. You definitely like the uh, the tortoise, though, that I sent you, right? The ASMR oh, tortoise. Oh, in his Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know if I get the same reaction to, like, full-on ASMR like some people do. They get the tingle, don't they? The, yeah. I just I like it. I, I like watching it. I don't think it's I get cute. the tingle. I like... Because I can watch videos that I find satisfying without sound. So mm. it's more of a visual for me. So yeah. I'm, like, one of those weird people that likes watching, like spot popping or uh, oh, yeah. plaque removal or, or when like they... when they're pressure washing a, oh. a driveway and all the dirt comes off like that's really satisfying really satisfying like but i don't have to hear it so i don't think that classifies as the same kind of thing but anyway i think i like both because i, I, I love i love that king of cracks guy oh he like he pops people's necks and i'm like Ooh, do it again do it again i think i like that one though because i would like to you be want the person I, I want that to be happening to my neck because my neck is always sore so that's why i like, like anyone anyone I, with strong arms please just like put my head in a neck brace and then pull i don't know if that's a good idea actually i think i'd want a trusted professional just in case i popped my head yeah, off yeah gentle gently does it and then bam um i guess uh, yeah i like both i like the visual and the sound because that, that tortoise, it was the, I was like, oh, so good, so good. Right, I'm going to get back on this. So, Just finished their strawberry, she's ready, folks. <laughs> um, so, like I said, uh, seance drawings and paintings were deemed to be a spiritual artifact mm -hmm. by the fellow spiritualists. Um, and in order to understand both the visual language and the spiritual status of such artworks, there was an emphasis on the way in which they were created. So the medium would often go into a trance during which it was believed that he or she would channel the spirit or would then author the artwork. Mm. So like I said, there was a big belief that she was channeling these ancient, incredible artists. Although I think, I mean, Titian wasn't too, I mean, 
that's too fair. A hundred years is still quite a while away. Mm. But like she, she was channeling them. That's what she was believing. And experiencing the the seance and watching the creation of spirit art was to allegedly witness the engagement of spirits with the mortal world and was often deemed as evidence of life after death. Mm. Therefore, the artworks produced during seances were the evidence of spiritual interactions with mortals. These medium's works were intended to be understood by spiritualists who had sacred knowledge of the spirit world. And for those who did not have such an insight, the medium was necessary to further mediate the artwork's meaning to the viewer. So all this like automatic drawing or things like that, evidence of the, the afterlife through means possible. So even if it was gobbledygook, they had to have like a, they, you know, it was, it was, I think it was more about the interpretation, you know, people like things to be interpreted. That's why, mm. you know, you had the Bible not interpreted for fucking millennia. Yeah. You know, but then of course that's an entirely different matter. It's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> it gives other people meaning to decipher something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Only 40 of her pieces actually now survive. And mm. she made thousands, like it's crazy. Um, and like I say, she did exhibit her work. Um, oh, that's it. In Old Bond Street. Oh. Jump on the low Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this indicated that Horton wanted her seance work to gain merit as art in itself, but she also used the exhibit to expose her spiritualist views to the general public, which obviously was a pretty susceptible public, to be honest, at that time period. Mm. It's fucking sheep. They're all sheep. <laughs> um, this type of work in the whole genre uh, ranged from abstract shapes to figurative forms, yet while styles differed, they were united by the same goal. That was to use artistic mediumship to convince the viewer of the truth that the spirit world existed and that spirits could interact with the living. Horton was aware that viewers who attended seances gained an advantage in understanding the sacred messages of her pieces. Though really I feel any meaning would be more of a feeling of knowledge than anything else. Like the emotion of a piece yeah. than knowledge that's written down. As you can imagine, skeptical views contributed to the rejection of spirit art as a subject unworthy of consideration. Yeah. And this genre of outsider art faded into obscurity. <laughs> but it essentially is the pre-legacy of automatic drawings practiced by French symbolists, diadists, is that how you say it? Dadadists? And surrealists. Oh, like Dadaism. Da yeah, yeah, that's it. Like the Dada. Dada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's been some recent attempts to re-examine the importance of these spiritualist works as innovative and pioneering for their time. Um, so they've like re-exhibited like loads of this old artwork, mm. even though there's only 40 pieces of hers. But what's really cool is like they're three decades after Horton produced her spirit drawings. Hilma af Klimt, which isn't relation to Klimt, but I was like, who is this? Mm. It's a woman. <laughs> um, a Swedish spiritualist and theophysicist, theophist, whatever, <laughs> produced large abstract paintings also allegedly under the influence of spiritual forces. There's been some recent like, well, recent, like 2006, I think, exhibitions of her work in London. And they're given new consideration to the colorful and abstract art forms of these, which would have inspired, because they, they precede Mondrian and Kandinsky. Another woman doing it again before yeah, these guys. I'm like, what? 
Yeah, fucking love that the forebearers are modern art women. You go, girls. Um, I mean, I don't know if I believe in spiritualism, but like, you fucking go, girls. You nail those pieces yeah, of art. Yeah. But there's also the other question, and I mentioned it earlier about the fact that her wanting her artwork to reach the masses, mm. but also being a woman and it being a little bit harder, well, a lot harder to do that with authority. Um, it's kind of a little bit like having this other aspect to her artwork, which was beyond the sex of someone, allowed people to to see it without that kind of hindrance of, well, the woman made it kind of thing. Mm. So it's a little bit like, I think she had to produce it under the guise of a seance. That's how she found a way to reach people with it. But I also kind of think as well, like everything that I've read about her, I definitely think that she definitely believed what she was doing. So Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you think about it, you know, I mean, I'm coming from a view that I don't know if I'm an atheist, but I don't mm. really believe in any, and this is no offence, I don't really believe in any kind of religion mm. or God or anything like that. If somebody has something to, that they can prove it to me with, then cool, I'll mm. accept facts, but I generally believe in science. But kind of thinking it from like another practical viewpoint, like modern artists even, mm. you have this urge sometimes to create something, and maybe she, that's a similar kind of thing she felt it but she channeled it and thought about it that way just because of what the mindset was at the time yeah. she had this urge to create something and she didn't realize it was actually her own yeah. artistic desire to create these things but because of what she believed kind of mm. spiritually she attributed it to that but i mean that's just something for people to think about that's not poo-pooing on people's like spiritualist beliefs or no, you know no. that kind of thing no i think like to be honest i think um that happens a lot with people hmm. We have our own uh, devout beliefs and maybe she didn't think much of herself in the way that, you know, she felt these compulsions and was like, well, I don't understand understand it other than the fact that it could be beyond the grave or something mm. like that that's sort of like forcing it forward. Um, because it's all, it, you know, it's all to do with the mind, isn't it? It's all, because the mind's powerful as fuck. Mm. Like it can do so much to your body and whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I find this fascinating because like you know, I'm completely atheist, but I find it fascinating how these compulsions and uh, beliefs make other people fascinated as well, mm. you know? It's kind of almost like a, a social delusion with it. Like we kind of have that suspension of, dis of belief mm. for it or suspension of disbelief or whatever the fucking term is. It's a little bit like when you have all those people dancing everyone gets the fever. Oh, like the people in France that yeah. danced till they died. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like that. Mm. And I find that fascinating. And I love the idea that science can unravel things that we can't understand. Mm. But yeah. Dancing till you died thing, the French things made me think of Shame a Day, which makes me think of BuzzFeed Unsolved. <laughs> which, makes, which reminds me of um, an episode I was re-watching because I quite often re-watch like old things like that. I'll put the mm. season on to play while, oh, I'm, love while I'm working. Same here. And um, one of the episodes, funnily enough, was a man, I cannot remember the name of the man, but he had this house built and he believed in spiritualism. Yeah. And he was a musician, like this really fantastic musician. And he believed that the past musicians were channeling music through him. Oh. And he could play like crazy, but he could also sing in two, like, two voices. He could sing like a male and a female part just yeah. from him. And he believed, again, that he was mm. channeling something from beyond this world. Yeah. So interesting comparison I can't think it was somewhere in America mm. um, I can't think of the name of the property or the name of the man that um, had it designed and built but um, if I find it I'll stick it on the Instagram because again quite an interesting little episode yeah 
I think there is actually like a phenomenon, or not necessarily a phenomenon, but like an incredibly talented skill that some cultures have, or like within singing, and they can have a two-tone. Mm. You heard about that? And I think maybe that sort of has a stem with being able to hit vastly different ranges and accents and things within your own voice. But there's just so many like natural phenomena that happen, like, you know, people wake up with a different accent. You know, these are things yet undiscovered Mm. by science. And that's fascinating. That's why all these, all this hooga blue, amazing woo stuff, even though I'm like, they ain't fucking ghosts, but something might be discovered that's fascinating. I'd be like, wow. It is interesting, I think, Mm. when new discoveries are made. I personally don't believe in ghosts. No. Um, I think I don't tend to believe in that kind of stuff or even think to mess with that. I think even because I don't believe in it, but I don't mess with it. Because I think yeah. it plays on your psyche even if you don't believe in it. Mm. Whereas me, I I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by like the discovery of it. So it's kind of a little bit like my imagination runs riot. Even though, logically, I'm completely atheist. Like I have been for mm. my whole life. Despite my upbringing or anything like that, it's always been like a core thing for me. Mm. But because of that, it's allowed this imagination to be like, well, so many things could be possible because there's no fate, there's no mm. predestination for things unless it's scientific with mm. one thing just knocking onto another and then that's inevitably gonna happen. Mm. A bit like Big Bang into this and that and that and that and that. It's miraculous that we're human. That's mm. what I think. But it's miraculous because it's tiny speck in like a fucking infinite galaxy that's like, what? You know what I mean? That's why it's miraculous <laughs> to me. Yeah. And that's why like other miraculous things wow me. But it's because it's all human and normal and natural and fantastic in that way. Mm. Not because some, I mean, believe what you think, believe what you like. I think that that gives meaning and cherished belief within your life. But in the same way that I respect that, people have to respect the way that I think, which is, you know, it's like fascinating things. And it can all happen because, oh, you just don't know. Earth could explode, who knows? <laughs> you might never get to listen to this podcast. Oh, wouldn't that be a shame? I think this is a cracking one so far. She's having a great time. I'm having a great time. Yeah. She's having um, a great time. But yeah, that was uh, that was Georgiana Horton. Very nice, I'm very impressed. Yeah, I'm glad we weren't talking about the same thing. No, I, we aren't talking about I, the same thing. I briefly thing. worried that we might be because oh, definitely not. I just because before I what I was gonna talk about uh, the seventh seal. And I was like, God, that's a bit dark. It's just, it's very arty. And I like a, I like, I like real stories. I'm like, mm. Mm, so. Um, and then I thought maybe I'd do it about Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. And I started watching it. And I was like, Why do I not enjoy this? It's, it's kind of got that like '80s headache vibe that yeah. I can't abate. But it did have the most amazing human transformation scene I've ever seen. Reversed melting wax of a person. I was like. Oh, this is good. Well, yeah, pretty like good special effects. For the yeah, films. the special effects, amazing. So I was going to talk about that, but I'm thoroughly, thoroughly glad I found this lady here. Very nice. Fascinating. Anyway, Jenny, what what are you telling me today? Well, when I thought of death in the afterlife, the first thing that popped straight into my head was the, uh, I think one of the biggest symbols of the afterlife that you could think of. 
what immediately pops into your head when you think of death and the afterlife? Y'all talking about Grim Reaper. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking about that Grim Reaper. <laughs> that friendly old chap. Yeah, well that's the you thing. Get, you get such a bad stick. Well that's exactly my point in this. I'm putting my glasses on folks. I'm serious oh, this now. this is some serious shit going on. I'm passionate on. about this Grim Reaper. <laughs> Those are nice um, glasses by the way. Thank you, I've had them for about 10 years. Um, shows that my eyes aren't getting any better, but they're not getting any worse. <laughs> Great. So. My subject for discussion, as said, is the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper has often been portrayed throughout history as like this scary and looming figure, mm-hmm. um, and people generally fear it. I've never had that view of the Grim Reaper, personally. I've always kind of thought of him as like this gentle being. I bet you think it's like sweet. That like accompanies <laughs> people to the afterworld. Yeah. Like, a guide, I mean, essentially. I'd, I'd never have thought of it as scary. Mm. I mean, it's kind of like in modern interpretation has if you've ever watched um the hogfather adaptation oh, yeah, yeah, with um yeah. death in that and he's like this funny bumbling like <laughs> he's the, he's the grim reaper but he's like this bumbling kind of yeah. like, oh. terry pratchett's great for oh, that yeah. kind of stories um <laughs> yeah and even the one that was in like you know things from when you were little that should have been scary like the mm-hmm. one in muppet's christmas carol like the yes you know the spirit of the future mm-hmm. like i never really found him that scary Muppets Christmas Carol, there is an element of like spookiness to the ghosts, but there's such a, a joyfulness mm. to them too, mm. with this like looming presence of whoa, the past. Mm. And But the thing is, like, the Marley and Marley, like, oh, yeah. I love that song, it's so good. Yeah, me and my mum <laughs> recite that one to each Marley other. Marley and Marley, woo! <laughs> Sorry, fans, we hope you enjoyed that. Um, like, they, they were spooky as they came up the stairs, right? But then it was a great song. Mm. But the angel, who doesn't say anything, a little bit terrifying to me. Oh, you mean the white one? She does speak. She speaks in a oh, really she's... baby childish voice. The voice of death, he doesn't speak. Yeah. It's the the jolly, the huge mm. jolly creature, like the giant. I actually find him quite terrifying. He's so massive and he kind of has this booming presence of like, mm. we're in the present. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like. Whereas like the death one was kind of like gentle, calm, yeah, chill. Yeah. Yeah, like take what you want from it, folks. But the Grim Reaper has never scared me as a character. Mm-hmm. So I'm personally I... just happy I got to sing Marley and Marley. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even Christmas. <laughs> So I think of him as an entity that has to witness some of the most horrible events, some of the cruelest, saddest situations, but at the same time then tries to offer shelter. So that's how I view the Grim Reaper. So I was trying to figure out where the Grim Reaper kind of originated from. Originated from originally. (laughs) So throughout history, there have been different figures of representation for death. So one Mm -hmm. of the most common and enduring is that of the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and they generally the Grim Reaper is described as like a skeletal figure with a long black robe and he's carrying a scythe. So that's our general kind of yeah. view of what the Grim Reaper is. Why does he carry a scythe? Well, I'll get back in I'll mm-hmm. get into that a little bit later as we go down through the history. <laughs> For example, we've got this modern interpretation of the Grim Reaper being scary, but throughout history he's been represented by different kinds of things and they've not always been that kind of way. So for example, the Greeks had, they named death Thanatos. So he was a twin brother with Hypnos, who was the god of sleep. Death was Thanatos, his twin brother was Hypnos, the god of sleep. So both were portrayed as young and pleasant men, um, you know, handsome and 
quite jovial and chatty. The Greeks loved a handsome person, Yeah, so like not, not a scary person <laughs> at all. So Thanatos's job was to accompany souls to the underworld mm-hmm. and to deliver them to Sharon the ferryman on the river Styx. In this version, he isn't frightening. He's really helpful, actually. It's just he, like, he's helping, oh, you he's, come this way. He's like trying to help him get to... In fact, there's a lot of people when you think about it in the Greek version because you've got somebody in the mortal realm, Thanatos, delivering yeah. the soul and to... And um, what was his name again? Sharon, the, the ferryman on the River Styx. And then he takes them to Hades. Yeah. Um, so there's all these people to try and get them to there. So Thanatos is, is you know, quite this nice normal. He wasn't a spirit that was feared as such, a mm. uh, god that was feared. And there's been female versions of death, for example. So Norse mythology. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Valkyries. Mm-hmm. So they were young, beautiful women who um, served as both... Yeah! yeah. <laughs> they served as both messengers to Odin and escorts of souls of warriors who mm-hmm. were killed in battle. Valkyries translates as uh, choosers of the slain and they would ride their winged horses during battle. So the idea was that they would... It was glory, wasn't it? And it was... Yeah, so they would then collect the souls of men that had fallen in battle or soldiers, it could have been one way. And take them to the Grand Hall. And, and Well, no, it's take them to take fight this battle for Odin. Oh. So uh, Ragnar Rock. That's it, yeah. yeah. Ragnarok, end of the world. Yeah. <gasps> Anyone who watches the Marvel movies would be like, that's not right, but actually we're talking about the original Norse mythology version that Marvel is based on. We get so. the right facts here. So sometimes. I mean I ain't hating because like anyone that knows me knows <laughs> that um I'm rather a, a Loki fan and She was talking about Tom Hiddleston earlier. Tom Hiddleston, if you ever listen Every to this, time. please come on our podcast. <laughs> I swear I won't be weird or creepy. I'll just give you a nice cup of tea and a piece of cake and we can chat about theatre and the arts, please. It would be so lovely go for a walk on the beach <laughs> he'd love that bring a dog i'll play with the dog he has a, you he, play he with has him. a dog i'll bring my dog he can bring his dog it'll be great this is so weird and creepy so other representations the angel of death so mm-hmm. death with an f <laughs> angel, even tower and stuff angel of death <laughs> angel of death <laughs> So, Angel of Death, the spirit that extracts one's soul from the body mm-hmm. at the moment of death, appears in many religions and cultures. What so, are the, did you get their names? Because there's different. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So, don't worry. So, the archangels Michael and what was the other one? Michael and Gabriel have both been at, have yes. both acted as angels of death. <gasps> and that was, have you seen Constantine? No, I have not. But you should because um, I imagine I'd enjoy it. Gabriel tries to raise the son of uh, Hades to. Uh, it's yeah. great. Okay. <laughs> No, I've not actually seen Constantine, but I don't know why I haven't, because um, I love love Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so Gabriel and uh, Michael are both actors as angels death in Judeo-Christian religions. Mm -hmm. Um, Azrael is the Islamic angel of death, who sometimes appears as kind of quite horrifying. He's like a spirit who has loads of eyes and tongues covering his body, so he's like the opposite of like, like these, like pretty like angelic kind of things that you would expect he's the horror of death because i mean to be fair death can be horrific exactly it wasn't kind all of cool, seeing so. all tasting all senses so and another one that i found was really interesting was uh, santa murta um so the full name is nuestra senora de la santa murta i apologize i think that I was said amazing that right. so that was spanish for our lady of whole death I think that's how it translates so she was a mexican female deity yeah and she was associated with healing protection and safe delivery to the afterlife so not yeah. only was she delivering souls to the afterlife as a helpful spirit but, but she, she was also healed. protection and healing so she again she was one of these deities that was viewed or is viewed because i think they still celebrate yeah. her quite a lot to be fair it makes so much sense um that you would have uh you know healing and death rolled into one mm. think of hospitals doctors they um they're essentially their own ferrymen of healing and death like yeah they, yeah 
it's a strange concept yes. when you because mm. people often they just they they segregate the two mm. they don't think of like like bacchus right yeah they think oh god of partying god of whatever but he was the god of hangovers too and death and yeah what oh was he dead no death of crops yeah yeah uh, it's not like death of people it was more like yeah but anyway fascinating <laughs> oh and another really cool thing that i found out about again like while i was trying to find out more about the grim reaper not all of these kind of deities or spirits are always a human form and they quite often so you get these spirits that are known as psychopomps Ooh. so they have this task of escorting souls to the underworld yeah. but they're not in this humanoid form and quite often they're depicted as birds like crows ravens um, yeah Whippoorwills, I think that's how you say them. Uh, sparrows and owls have quite often been used. Yeah. Um, but also things like uh, horses, deer, dogs. I mean, think of the Grim, mm. like in Harry Potter, but yeah. also in like the Grim. I think is from like it's law. From, yeah. yeah. And so they're known as psychopomps. So they're spirits that deliver souls to the underworld, but they're not like a particular they're deity. A, they're, such. A, they're, they're just entity, they're just they're just entities that roam yeah. the world. And um, I think when you see like in literature and stuff you get like the raven and stuff like yeah, that they write about aren't they? yeah well, that kind of thing we had um edgar Allan poe talk you know his his symbol was the raven because he was always talking about death and the passing and his sorrow but you know in reality ravens and crows they're such intelligent skittish oh, like great funny creatures i think um ravens oh, i don't know if it's ravens or crows i think both of them they have the ability to like parrot. They can copy human voices if they're around them long enough. If anyone's interested in um, ravens, <laughs> you need to check out the Raven Master at the Tower of London. He does some really interesting oh. stuff because obviously he takes care of all these ravens. And his favourite one is called Melina, which is beautiful. When we can go, um, we'll go. Yeah, because I am into that. I'll take my mum as well. She'll yeah. love it. <laughs> um, my mum would like to go too because she's the one that got me onto him. So yeah, if you're interested in like ravens and stuff like that and how wonderful and clever animals they are, go Down check out London. Go check out the Raven Master at the Tower of London. I cannot think of his name, but he's on Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so those are psychopomps, so mm-hmm. they're really interesting. So I found kind of all of that that kind of led in, fed into this idea, yeah. and things that have gone throughout history. But when you really start to see the Grim Reaper, he started to appear in Europe in the 14th century. And what happened in Europe in the 14th century oh. was the Black Death. So, yep, the bubonic plague, which is kind of maybe maybe a weird <laughs> subject to be talking yeah. about right now. So weird because bubonic plague actually just happened in China. Yeah, they found it again. I hope I'm not offending anybody, but this is research, and this is an episode we wanted to do for a while. It's not meant to offend anyone. This is just the history of the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. So, this was the plague pandemic that was like to end all plague pandemics. Like we've got no idea. It was estimated that one third of Europe's population perished. And uh, bring out your dead. Yeah, so like clearly, death was obviously something that was on the forefront of everyone's minds. And I think obviously, then that created this fear. Well, you often see that, and we've talked about it so much of the time. The present current society status Mm. affects the artwork and the ideas that they reflect one another. Yeah, and I think because the way people were dying wasn't. It wasn't pretty. No, it was was harsh. It was a horrible kind of thing. So death didn't. It had been forgotten about all these peaceful passings. Mm. You know, death was coming as like it was in your it face was, it was feared it was, because it, it was, was it, it stunk it was horrible yeah it was such a 
awful thing to have to live through mm. and I think that kind of put a spin on it so that maybe death wasn't nice it was you know because of the circumstances so you can see why people had this fear yeah I was kind of having a look into the symbolism of the reaper so it's possible that the robes were kind of representative of like religious figures like when they were conducting funerals so people in churches wearing their long black robes that kind of thing and it's very similar to the doctors that would wear like the the like the masks they would be in black robes yeah they would be denoted for that um signs were used to um reap crops which were literally plucked from the earth you didn't see me do me the quotation marks, air quotation marks. So, and and that was kind of thought like much like human soul would be. So they're being plucked from the earth. So that's kind of where it came from. So he was often portrayed in paintings at the time as just a skeleton, generally holding something like a dart or a crossbow. But eventually, this kind of became a scythe. Yeah. So it started out as just a skeleton, no robes, and he was holding a weapon of sorts that he would mm-hmm. use to take, kill, and take the souls. And then that kind of turned See, into the it, side. Yeah, so it's like it it's, was, it's grown with that aggression, hasn't it? With this idea of like yeah. death being horrible. It got to the point where some paintings were showing death swinging his scythe through massive crowds of people as if they were crops. That is such imagery. Exactly. That's because the Black Plague was like taking out hundreds of people, just wiping millions, wiping you know. cities out. So it was. They didn't really the have so, cities actually. Then it was just yeah, and, and, towns and towns and towns. And that's the thing. So I think the scythe then became more representative of being able to like kind of take it all in. Yeah. You know, um, black has long been associated with death and mourning, which mm-hmm. you know, want funerals, etc. Which is quite often in lots of societies. I mean, not in all cultures, for example. Oh, I believe in Indian, Indian culture, they white. Wear white. Yeah. You know, so it depends on your culture. I mean, this is set in the European area of the world, so black was kind of that. The cloak acts an air of mystery. People often think of the Reaper as kind of like hiding in the shadows, don't mm-hmm. they? Um, I mean, not me. You know that I think the Reaper is a nice, <laughs> nice, friendly self. Well, like they, they, they always kind of consider that death is just out of sight, don't they? Yeah, essentially, they don't know when it's going to appear. And like, lurking in the shadows. Exactly. So shadows <laughs> lurking in the shadows. So it kind of plays on that fear of the unknown. Mm. If you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. So I think that that kind of all feeds into it. And this, this is just from my limited amount of research. Although I'm very interested in this kind of thing. So. And his image, the imagery of him actually appeared in religious texts. Mm. And the best example of this is in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, <laughs> verses 1 to 8. Four horsemen appear, yeah. pestilence, war, famine and death. Only one of the four is actually explicitly named. So in that text, they don't call them pestilence, war, mm-hmm. famine and death. They just describe what they look like. But they actually name death specifically. And uh, he, what did it say? So of the four only, death is named explicitly. He rides a pale horse, often interpreted as pale green, the colour of disease and decay. Yeah. But like, for him to actually be named as death, where I mean, we got from the other ones that one with pestilence, war and famine, that was an interpretation over yeah. time. Well, there's a lot of weight with giving a name for something. Yeah, but, precedent. but death itself was actually named within yeah. this religious text. And he was given that imagery of, you know, wearing black robes yeah. and... He's kind of became like an important thing. Well, in, his, in, in the, that sense, in the same way that you know you um, you have really important um, positive figures, mm. um, and it, actually, to be fair, it goes beyond uh, either being good or bad. It's just these almost archaic figures mm. that matter, you know. Mm. Um, so, God, death, Holy Spirit, all these things. It's almost like 
it, it's going beyond the idea that you, it, it's kind of, it goes back to the Old Testament. God wasn't necessarily forgiving. No. He fucking crushed everyone yeah. in his sight because he was all powerful. He had all the power. He had some learning and, to do. And you know what? Like, death is in that, he that needed, realm. He needed to humble himself and, a bit. Uh, it's almost like being part of the same atom, mm. you know? These different elements within the atom. Mm. Death's one of them. God's one of them. One it doesn't outweigh the other. Mm. It's kind of like they are just nature. Yeah. Forces that are not evil, mm. but powerful. Yeah. And not necessarily swayed by emotional thought. No. Even though there's a lot of wrath that happens yeah. with God, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> but I like that idea. When something's so awesome, it's like how mm. massive space is. When something's so infinite and so awesome, mm. it has a precedence that's just... can't really understand mm. it. That's death. Yeah. And I mean, as I said at the start of my, mm -hmm. my bit, I I don't fear the Grim Reaper. I've always seen him as like a kind, genteel figure that mm. is meant to help someone. Because... He never is seen as like, well, I mean, in my head, I don't see him as like creeping into your room and like killing you himself. Well, he's, he's not there to, and it's not like a frightening thing. It's not the way he does it. He doesn't creep up like some scary thing and go boo. You know, yeah. he just kind of appears and he is there. And he's, I. He's there for your passing. Yeah. He doesn't create the passing. He's there to yeah. witness it. And I enjoy that kind of representation of him. Mm. So the artwork and the artists that I'm going to you know just give a shout out to that kind of like made me mm -hmm. appreciate that even more so there's a few so there's a uh, goofy gods comics who again we'll link on our instagram you can find them on instagram i'm just going to show rosie oh, like I've seen, I've yeah seen you've seen this series so, so yeah so baby cerberus <laughs> so he's a puppy um yeah so you know so there's that chap that yeah. does those i think it's chap i'm not sure i apologize I, goofy gods comic i love um, that oh there are two people that do the comics it's two friends that do the comics um, I believe they're based in France, but yeah, brilliant. If you love that kind of representation that I enjoy, mm -hmm. you'll like that. There's also Bob Guy, who's Hey Bob Guy, who does uh, Hannah and I think he's Morty, possibly his dad called, but it's a series about um, oh. Grim Reapers. Oh. Um, there's another comic that I like as well. I think it's called uh, The Pink Grim Reaper, and he's like a Grim Reaper who wears pink. <laughs> but particularly the artist that I really love and literally makes me cry cry whenever I read the ones that she puts out is uh, Jenny Jinya. I don't know her. And I think you'll kind of recognise her work because I think mm -hmm. it's been shared a lot on Instagram and on the internet and people now see it quite a lot. It kind of makes me cry, the stuff oh, that she no. does. But like, and it's so beautiful. So I'm just showing Rosie um, the, one of the Jenny Jinya comics. The way she approaches the topic, oh. it's so heartbreakingly real and sad and oh my god again we'll share it i wouldn't be surprised if people haven't seen this but don't realize that these are by her she's done ones with so tender yeah she's done quite a few different characters within that grim reaper world world so there's been like a little dog that had been abandoned and the grim reaper collected his soul and the little dog was really sad because he'd been abandoned by his humans and but then the grim reaper took him to this hospital and yeah. he had to reap the soul of this young boy and this young boy was petrified because he was like oh my god I'd... but then the grim reaper that came to take him <laughs> the grim reaper had given the dog to make it yeah to make the dog a little grim so that the boy was like oh right okay so and he takes you know he does a lot and um, he she does a lot with um 
animals within the Grim Reaper as well. So it's not just all about humans. Mm. And it looks a lot at the cruelty that's happening with animals. I think she's trying to raise awareness. So there's like one with a um, cat and a dog. There's one with a turtle that gets, you know, something stuck oh. around its neck and people are stealing its shell. It's, they're really sad stories. But the way the Grim Reaper is represented in them, I think is so beautifully done. And I literally, I cry every time I read them. And they're just like these short little stories, beautifully done. Mm. And they're just so, there's just something about them. So all of those artists that I've shouted out, I think are incredible and do a brilliant job at representing the multifaceted sides yeah. of what I think is a really interesting character. And isn't something that should be feared. If you think about it, the Grim Reaper is almost like a watcher um, and a, and a sort of a collector of stories from all of human history, mm. or even beyond that, um, because at the end of your life, you've had a f- you've had your life, you've you've got all of those stories, mm. and it's almost like um, coming along to take note of that and serenade you off. Mm. So there is that tenderness and that understanding. There's a saying where it's like um, being taken off into death with like a warm hand or something mm. like that I can't remember the quote but I think that that is something that should be more prevalent when it mm. comes to the Grim Reaper it's not something to be feared yeah or that idea not something to be feared yeah mm. but yeah so that was what my spin on death in the afterlife oh, was I love it I loved it and, uh... I didn't know any of that. Well, I knew some of it, but I was like, oh, I love it. It's fascinating. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's really interesting, though, that, like, you look into the history of something, like, when you suddenly think, where oh, did actually, that come from? Yeah. Like, where did that come from? And I think when you then kind of, like, unpick, and I'll, again, we'll put some up on the Instagram, of, like, the images where this figure of the Grim Reaper started appearing in European mm. artwork, this skeleton. Yeah. Um, you can kind of see the bare bones of the story and the lore picking up then. Mm. And then, well, people like how it's very, been translated into now, yeah. and people like to be very matter of fact. I think in a time when people couldn't read, you know, mm. they would have very blatant religious painted artworks that mm. would say, "Okay, this means this." And the the, the simplest thing was to show the decay and mm. the, the skeletal form of us um, as this is what you become. This mm. is death. This is what happens after. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I feel really tender. Sorry, was that, was, that, was that comic a bit too much? <laughs> it was so sweet. Oh, it, seriously, Jenny Jinya's comics, they get me every damn time. Girl, you are just like, you're wonderful, but you break my heart every time <laughs> I read them. Like, oh, oh. They, they put me through something. I love them, but they're so sad. You know what? Like, feeling the shit is the shit, you know? Well, most most what you, of the time. No, no I have time. a lump of coal as heart. <laughs> I have no heart. I feel nothing. <laughs> I've, oh, I, I just choose to feel the shit I want to, I and then I'm like, nothing. nah. I refuse I to feel any emotions. I can brush it off so easily. It's I feel like such a and I'm just such a I'm just know. a bullshit because underneath it all I am <laughs> ridiculously not <laughs> a hard ass. He's so soft, lovely. But you know, I think it's an important lesson to learn. Is like I don't, and this is for this is all for all my ladies listening. All the ladies out there. All the ladies out there. Don't don't let them don't let them men think that they've got a grasp on your emotions because then they try and use them as a weapon against you. Don't let them menses get in on your hearts. I think that's probably that's probably not good advice because like let's look at my dating life right now. Like Yeah. I mean I literally texted Rosie earlier today saying, Do you know what I find really sexy? Yeah. I literally out of the blue was just like 
you know what I find really sexy, Rosie? A man that does housework without having to be asked. Yeah. Is that not just a brilliant Yeah, and trait? I was like, I agree. And I was like, I have to like museums. Mm -hmm. That's a that is a golden rule. I mean That's like, a deal breaker. I just I just a man that will do the housework without having to be asked just as like Oh sexual. Fucking sexual. <laughs> How we've like, gone to this subject, like, oh, I don't know, but you you vacuuming there, are you? you just, and I didn't even have to ask you, you to vacuum. All the dirt. You're kidding at all? Oh, oh, you're you're dusting now. Fucking hell! Can't cope. <laughs> <laughs> How I switched onto that topic, I don't know. Oh, it's because I was trying to give relationship advice and oh, being emotional. Yeah. And don't take advice from me. I'm sure I'm not the person. Well, I think I don't. I see. I like the advice I give, but I often feel that my advice only works on some people because. I think you have to be in a similar frame of mind as me for the advice. Oh yeah, oh no, that makes <laughs> which, complete sense. Yeah, which is very much like... Because people have to want to do something. Oh, yeah. yes. Sorry, we're getting all kind of like off topic here. We just have missed you guys I so know. much and we've missed I, each other. I miss being in the same room. It's, I know. It's, it's just different from far away. So this is going to be a long ass podcast episode, but we hope you love it anyway. I like it. I like it a lot. And it's just, oh, it's going to sound so much better. Do you um, have yeah. any recommendations for this week? I see, I thought about this earlier mm -hmm. and <laughs> I was gonna recommend um, literally just the melted human scene from Hellraiser. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, the rest of the film, not my jam. Even though I love a horror, I love, I fucking love movies like that, but that one give me, gives, gives me a bit of a headache. And uh, I told you, like, <laughs> haven't watched this film in fucking ages, but I wanted to recommend um, Stealing Beauty. Uh, psst. Um, breaking the fourth wall here? Third wall? Fourth wall? Um, I didn't mean Stealing Beauty. I meant Stage Beauty. So if I say it again, remember, Stage Beauty is the best goddamn film. That's so sexy. <laughs> so get back to the podcast and the recommendations. Uh-huh, it's a 2004 film, um, it's got Claire Danes in it, and a rather beautiful man. Whose name escapes her. Yes. I remember watching it years ago, and I was like, oh. It's a little bit like uh, Shakespeare in Love, just a little bit, because it's all about like stage performance in French Louis the Sixteenth mm. time. And uh, basically like this incredible actor. He's, he only does female because females weren't allowed on stage. Um, and then as a turn, and he, you know, that's his profession. He did all these amazing female roles. And then like, um, Louis comes in, he's like, I want to change shit up. Women are allowed on stage now and men can't be women anymore. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, what do I do? And then Claire Danes is like, I'll be an actress. I'm so beautiful. And uh, then they have a really, well, from what I remember, I was probably, 14 at the time when I watched it, so I probably thought it was really erotic, but <laughs> I'm sure they have a really lovely like love making scene, um, but I'm gonna watch that, so I recommend, because I'm gonna watch it again. You can watch it with her, yeah. and then you can discuss oh. it on on the Instagram and oh see God. how people yeah. felt about it. <laughs> you know, like if, you like if you like a little bit of Shakespeare in Love and a bit of beauty, and Claire Danes, because I love Stardust, so. Speaking of Shakespeare, Tom Hiddleston, please come on the podcast. <laughs> please, Because um, we know please. you love a bit of Shakespeare. You can yeah. come and talk about Shakespeare as much as you want, Tommy. Shake my spear. Do not say things <laughs> like that. He is never gonna come on if you say weird shit like that. People love it, right? It's just yeah. fun. Yeah. 
I get it. Yeah. But I am gonna tag him in this and he's gonna be like, who the fuck are these weirdos? It does make you wonder, actually. Actually, who... he wouldn't do that. He's too much of a nice man. But he'd yeah. just be like, ah. It makes you wonder who actually ends up listening to us. I know there's a select few, but I'm sure that there are some just random... Because, I mean, I know myself. I just stumble across crazy little podcasts. and like, mm. yeah, I'll give this a go. I like that voice. I like Oologies, which is a really cool podcast. Shout out for Oologies. It's all about, like, you know, people who are zoologists, volcanologists. Oh, I see. So they discuss different Oh, oologies. yeah. Yeah. It's Ooh, amazing. Very funny. So actually, that's two recommendations. Uh, Stealing Beauty and Oologies. <coughs> Can't oh, remember the woman's funny. name. But yeah, have you got a recommendation? I do, actually. And it's another artist. Yes, sir. Lovely. So it is a lady called Hanuli. Oh. And she is a uh, illustrator, but she also has a Lolita fashion shop. Um, a fancy oh so fancy but she started to do drawings uh, I believe she was struggling with depression at the mm. time and she started to do these drawings of a girl and a skeleton and you might have seen them I don't know if you have but I'm going to show Rosie one now I think I have seen this that's kind of beautiful yeah and she... it's got that kind of like a manga illustration vibe to it as well like pen well. and ink yeah, and she has started recently kind of doing more painted versions of them. Oh, wow. But she would quite often, these illustrated ones, would have kind of sayings that went with them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just... I love that um, collaboration between like a pretty anatomically correct skeleton mm. juxtaposition next to pretty accurate woman, anatomy-wise. Mm. But also, yeah, it's like this uh, super hyped anatomy next to wonderful manga illustration. Mm. I'm gonna have a look. Uh, she should have more followers, man. It's always the way. Yeah, I've, I've not seen these before. Yeah. These, these look really familiar, but... Funnily enough, it was my mum that put me onto this. Really? Yeah, ages ago, when she, she sees things and she's like, oh yeah, Jenny would like this. And oh, that'd be good, Jenny's doing a topic mm. like this soon. Oh, there's a load more of them here. I love the off-white colour to it as well. So beautiful. But yeah, and she's created these images to kind of, I think it was to help her deal with kind of like depression and suicidal thoughts, yeah. from what I can understand from the article that I read about her. These would be marvellous tattoos. They really would be. I think she allows people to have them done like that, but she asks that you contact her kind of for yeah. permission first, yeah. and just to show you what she looks like. I think that's her anyway, but that's in her shop, because she does like Lolita fashion as well. So, so cool! Why are these people so cool? Oh, amazing. There you go, there's... Dramatically impressed. I know. I thought you'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, so yeah, that's my uh, recommendation is Hanuli, and again, she's on Instagram, and I'll link you all to. Beautiful. Oh, love it. I really feel like I've had a really like, wonderfully educational experience this evening, <laughs> as opposed to normal when we just blabber and have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> well, like I really, uh, it's because you're here. It's just it's nice to be in the yeah. same room. It's been so long. I can't talk enough about it, it's just great. You bought strawberries there. Oh. <laughs> Don't make me laugh, I'll start coughing again. <laughs> it's oh. like, oh god, have you got it? No! <laughs> no I haven't got it, I just walked, went down the wrong way. Oh. It's set me off, girl. It's alright, it's alright. Ah, no, well, I mean... I've been having a lovely time. I have no idea how this podcast episode is going to turn out, it's going to be a long-ass one, but we hope you guys enjoy it. It'll be long, because so much of it is good. <laughs> oh, like, she's selling us now. There we go. That's a way to get Mr. Hiddleston on the 
It's so long because it's good, so you should come on. Wow, I yeah. I didn't even I didn't even learn. I didn't mean that in a weird way. I literally yeah, mean it. I didn't realize that I was being so sexual with it, but no, I didn't mean that either. I meant literally well, like it. Well, it is <laughs> so why, long. Why did so you good. Why did you have to make this weird? I wasn't trying to do that. Oh, Tom, just... I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I was trying to say that we're. I was going to say that we're good at this, but I don't know if we are. Um, we're pretty good. Oh my god, I I'm always like. Oh, fucking we're great! What? Like fucking that's, that's shut why up, we Rosie. That's why we're yin and yang. We balance <laughs> each other out. <laughs> I'm our own gas man. Mm. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, well, that's the thing. I'm not like a um like a downer on us as a podcast. I'm always like myself. Like Rosie's like, have you listened to the podcast back? And I'm like, I don't like to listen to my own voice. <laughs> Once I've like put it out there in the world, like you know, I'm not listening back to that shit. I, was, I have to. I keep having to listen, 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 and I'm like, yeah. Rosie's like, have you listened? And I'm like, no. And she's like, why? And I'm like, I don't like to hear myself again. Like, once if, I've spoken, what I've said, it's gone. Eventually, you're gonna have to sit down and listen from one all the way up. I to I mean, I've listened 15. to some of them. Yeah, but I'm so behind. <laughs> it's like I don't need to hear myself talk. Like, I'd be fine if it was just you talking, but like, I don't need to hear myself Aww, talk again. You just love that voice. It's mm. so beautiful. It's like an angel. <laughs> oh, weird angel. Be like not as you not know as what? deep and dark as Loki, but something strange and wonderful. You know, Maybe what like... I'd compare you to you what? know you know Scrooged, which is like a, a I... modern version with Bill Murray of a Muppet of a Christmas Carol. I don't think Have I've actually seen, seen that. Well, the <laughs> the spirit of Christmas past in that is this weird cutesy <laughs> little angel, like fairy, but at the same and she's like oh like sinister yeah. and like cutesy cutesy. But then like if you do something like when he was like being a bella and she uh-huh. like kicked him in the nuts really hard, <laughs> but was still being cutesy cutesy while she did it. I'm like that's the sort of thing Rosie would be. Yeah, my mum have actually said that. Before, yeah, definitely. Very, other. very me, very me. I'm okay yeah. with that. You know, like totally. Totally like, okay. I'm so cute, but I'll kick you in the balls. It's <laughs> my life. Yeah. Whereas I'm not cute, and I'm just like, I oh, will just kick you in the balls. I'm kicking in the balls. You won't have any of my softness. Goodbye. Mm. <laughs> Sorry to people with balls. Ooh. We're not threatening you. <laughs> Played in a ball pit before, so. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I think that's that's about that's it. That's, that's I think us. we should wrap this up because we just sit here and up. chat for yeah. That's us wrapping it up, and then we're gonna probably go on Tinder for a bit more. Maybe yeah, you know, we're cool. Just love swiping no. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Oh nope. Sorry. Oh, pretty man. No. Nope. Oh, dog. Ah, no. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're a thousand miles away. Cool. Let's that's never a meet. Shame. Yeah. <laughs> just anyway. Just don't upgrade to Tinder cold ever. Because seeing how many people want to talk to you is terrifying. It's too just, much pressure. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see what she just did. I wish you could see. I, I don't think that was worthy for... I mean, it's definitely worthy, but I... You know. The visual was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And you'll never know what she did. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, that's us wrapping up for our Death in the Afterlife episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We are happy that you have stayed safe this whole time. Yeah. Because it means that we can be together too. And keep staying safe. Don't be these silly people that go to the beach and then poo on the beach because the toilets aren't open. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, you're not a dog. You haven't got a human to pick up your shit, okay? Well, they have themselves, like, but they don't. They leave on the beach. Yeah. Anyway, just, anyway. Be, just be sensible, <laughs> On folks. that lovely note. Be sensible, folks. <laughs> we love you and we're going to eat some strawberries now. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see you soon. Bye! Bye. <laughs> I just dropped her glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>